it's amazing, it's amazing at how God will do things. <laughs> because sometimes in life, and it's, it's, it's not just in church services, right? When, when you're young and you're a child, you associate everything with God, what happens on Sundays and Wednesdays. Because that's where you go to be with other church people, right? Other believers. And so as you get older, you are taught and you start to understand that God moves beyond these four walls. And God moves Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays just like He does Sundays and Wednesdays if we allow Him to. And sometimes things happen and we just have to step back and let God do His thing. Right? And that's what we talked about in 21 Days of Prayer. And that's what we talk about all the time here at this house. That we have to remove ourselves. Because Jesus could be fully man and fully God. We struggle to be fully man and with God fully all the time. The Bible teaches us that we have to become less so He can become more. That's in every aspect of our life. Right? I want to I wanna ask you guys a question. And, and, and being that one of my duties here at Glory to Him is to serve um, as the leader of the youth ministry and young adults groups here at the church, um, which is something that I've done for a long time, and I, and I love it. Because we all like to come to church and talk about the next generation, right? I was a part of that next generation. You guys used to be a part of that next generation. Now some of you guys are raising the next generation or your grandchildren are the next generation. And it's difficult because the way I grew up as a teenager and the way my dad grew up as a teenager was different, right? And the way you guys grew up as teenagers and the way that your kids are coming up in the world now is vastly different. There was things that, my dad's name is Victor, there is things that, that kids today have to deal with and experience and see. There are things that Victor's grandchildren have to watch on TV that he wouldn't even imagined would be on TV. And so I, 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 I get to serve in that capacity here. But I want to share with you something that I shared with them on Wednesday. Is that okay? Cool. How many of you guys have ever heard the starfish story? Anybody? A few people. Right? Some of them were over there with me on Wednesday and they heard it. I want to share with you the starfish story before we get started because it, it's a, it, 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 it makes sense to what we're going to talk about today. And it goes like this. There's a young boy walking along the beach. And, uh, 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 I'm sorry, see, I'd have messed it up. There's an old man walking down the beach. And in the distance, he sees this young boy. And this young boy keeps tossing things into the water, into the ocean. And when he comes close enough to the young boy to ask him, he says, son, what are you doing? He says, I'm throwing these starfish back into the water because the tide's low. And if we don't get them into the water, they'll die. And the older man looks at the young boy and says, Son, there's miles and miles of beach and tens of thousands of starfish. You're not going to make a difference. And the young boy bends down and picks up a starfish and throws it in the water. He said, But for that one, I did. 
We as the people of God need to get back to being like the young boy. And, and, and we can look at it and we can look at things to use people as an example, right? Our pastor here at this house tells us all the time that where he goes, we go, right? And we see him on TV and we see him behind the pulpit or, or Pastor Joe and Pastor Roslyn or Pastor Dorothy leading prayer or myself or Pastor Nate or whoever it is that God has called to lead. And we look at those people and we think about all of the big things that God has for them. I want to encourage you today that if you have anybody in your household that calls you mommy or daddy, you have a big responsibility. Your calling as a parent is just as important as mine as a minister. Because we have gotten away where we get more interested in being their basketball coach, or their cheerleader, or their math tutor, or their chef. And they need us to be their spiritual advisors and encouragers. If you guys sit on a job and you have people around you that don't know who Jesus is, you have starfish all around you. And and your impact is just as big as mine will be this morning. Whether that little boy saved 10,000 starfish or one starfish, at least one. If your whole life you're calling is that one person, are you okay with it? If your calling in life is to open that front door, so that someone comes in and receives Jesus, are we okay with it? Or do we always look at the bright, shiny things? There's a story where Jesus goes to a house and one sister is cooking this fabulous meal and she's prepared and she's doing all of the great things. But whom is the one that Jesus talked about? The one that came and fell at at his feet. Sometimes it's not about all of the shiny stuff. It's not about being a big deal. It's about doing what God has asked you to do. Whether that means holding a microphone on top of your ear or holding a broom in your right hand. Whether that means that we come to 21 days of prayer or we come to serve day. See, everybody claps for 21 days of prayer. But when we put out the announcement that we're going to clean the church building, yay. Because what are we searching for? Recognition from a man or recognition from the Creator? And look, don't look at me and think, oh, Pastor Hunter's got it figured out. Bubba, I struggled. When God calls you to ministry, and you're making hot dogs first. I remember when me and Kirsten moved from here um, at the church we moved to, we were having this huge event, and they said, Hunter, we want you to come and be involved, right? I had been here. Involved for me was different, right? Because I was in leadership. I was a leader. I did a lot of talking, right? If I can be honest with you, people knew me here. 
You want to get humbled real quick? Go somewhere where people don't know you and B, don't care. So when they asked me to be involved, I went and I said, yeah. <laughs> this was a church that was a little bit bigger than I, so I was like, man, this men's event, I'm going to walk in and show people. And they handed me tongs and an apron. I said, now I know that we dress funny in South Alabama, but I ain't never preached in an apron. Oh, man, the guy that was going to uh, help cook the hot dogs left. Can you help? And I went home that night, and I told Kirsten, and she said, how did it go? I said, I have never cooked so many hot dogs in my life. But I formed a relationship with those men there standing beside me, making, putting the buns in the bun, or toasting the buns, and then putting the wiener in the buns. I was just the guy cooking the hot dogs. And sometimes you can think that you're way up here, and God will remind you, no. I love the story that Bishop tells about all of the good stuff in his dad being God and everything else being him. Yeah, all of that cool stuff that I thought I accomplished, that was all the creator. I'm a hot dog cooker. With an apron and a pair of tongs. And so we, 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 we have to remember that, that we do have responsibilities. Just because we have grace and mercy does not mean we don't have responsibilities. And I'm not talking about you necessarily like a job. But again, if you're a parent, I have two things I'm responsible for. Being a husband means I have another one. We made the decision, crazy as it is, to bring a dog into the house. There's another responsibility that I have. The Bible tells me as a man what it is that I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be the spiritual head, provider, and protector. So I don't get off scot-free just because I believe in Jesus. Because one day I'm going to stand before him and have to give an account for Kirsten, Hudson, and Shepard. And before anybody looks up here, I want to challenge you. Because the man did it to me. I want to challenge you before you look up here and watch the men and women that stand behind this thing and think, oh, I could do that, I want to do that, that's me, that's me. Not only am I responsible for those three people that share my last name, now after standing here this morning, guess who else I'm responsible for? All of your teenagers that come on Wednesday, I'm responsible for them. We have responsibilities as Christ followers. And one of those is just like the starfish story. If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 27, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation this morning. In Proverbs chapter 3 verse 27 reads this, Do not, everybody say do not, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. Now there's a D word in there that we as Christian people love to argue about. Y'all see that D word up there? Do not withhold good from those who deserve it. Right then, most of you that read the word deserve it, your mind automatically thought of 17 people who did not deserve good from you. 
Trust me, when I read it for the first time, my mind did the same thing. But here's the crazy thing. If we replace that and think about Jesus and us, guess who doesn't deserve good? The same one that thought about 17 people who didn't deserve good. If I look at that and think about what Christ thought, do not withhold good from those who deserve it. I didn't deserve him to climb on the cross for me. So who am I to not look at someone else and say, they don't deserve good things from me? We just went through two weeks of what is love. Showing good to those who deserve it. Who deserves it? Everybody. We've gotten in this crazy place in this country now, and we have allowed it to seep through the foundations of the church to where when we hear things like, our people, my people, us, them, those who deserve it, we start breaking it up into human categories. And everybody deserves good from us. It doesn't matter what they look like, where they come from, who their mama is, who their daddy is, what they struggle with, what they used to struggle with, what they've served time for, who they voted for, who they root for. Everybody deserves good from us. Why? Because we didn't deserve the good we got. And that gift was freely given, and we're supposed to freely give it. That's the good news. That I got things that I didn't deserve. I got life when I deserved death. It doesn't matter how high and mighty I can make myself. I still deserve death, hell, and the grave. But because someone looked at me and loved me enough, I was given heaven. I was given life and life more abundantly. I don't deserve it. But he loved me enough to give it to me. When he said that I'm an heir with him. Amen? And so the title of my message today is Here I Am. And I want you guys to turn to Isaiah chapter 6. In verse 8, it says this. We, we talked about this a few times in, in, in prayer. And the Lord laid this on my heart. And I want to share it with you. That Isaiah is in and, and, and he's listening to God talk, right? Which is something I know we struggle with because we go into prayer and we do all the talking. And we make a determination, God, I'm going to spend 30 minutes with you today. We spend 29 and a half minutes talking and then we've only got 30 seconds left to listen. And sometimes we would get a lot out of our prayer life if we would just go and sit and shut up. I know I would. We, um, uh, like we talked about uh, uh, last week, prayer is an intimate conversation between you and God, just like me and Kirsten. And when we get in discussions, when I get to ranting and rambling and stuff like that, Kirsten say, ho, ho, you ain't even giving me a chance to say anything because I've got a point to prove. 
I've got to win the argument. I've got to make sure that I'm justified first before I get the answer. And then we say our peace and shut God off. Good talk. And walk out of the room like we're justified in the things that we want to do. And it says this, that, that Isaiah says it this way. Then I heard the Lord asking, if any of you are struggling with what God has called you to, I encourage you to listen to what he's asking. Ask him and then wait for his response. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. A person like that is still who God's looking for. No matter how big we think the job is or not. We need help in the children's church. Who's going to serve? Here I am. Send me. I'll do it. We need help sending kids to forward. Here I am. Send me. I'll do it. We have 10 air conditioners out. Who's going to help? Send me. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. We have an outreach where we take Thanksgiving dinners to people that can't afford. Send me. I'll do it. I'll do it. Send me. There's a homeless guy that sits outside of the marathon on Ozark. Who's going to give him a cup? Send me, I'll do it. But see, if God was to ask you, who wants to preach next Sunday? Or who wants a hundred bucks? Who wants to be recognized for all the stuff they've done? Oh, send me, I'll do it. Right? And this is, a, this is a challenge this morning, right? To, to get back to being a here I am, send me. Who, who's going to reach your coworkers? See, we, we, we've kind of got it backwards in our thinking that, that, that we're supposed to just go out and, and bring everybody in here and lay that weight on the pastor. When we were called to be his hands and feet, we weren't called to just bring it all and lay every soul on our leadership. That's what we're for. That's why you have that job. That's why through everything, as aggravated as you are, that's why you know God still has you there. That's why every time you get ready to quit that job, they promote you in that job. Because God needs you there. Why? Because there's people around you that he's asking, who's going to go minister to these people? Send me, I'll do it. In the hallways of your schools, in your work trucks, in your cubicles, in your helicopters, in your troops, in your brigade, whatever it is, in your small groups. He said, I heard the Lord asking, who's going to go? That kind of sounds like, 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 like God couldn't find anybody. Well, who's going to go? And, and Isaiah said, I, I'll, do, I'll go, send me, I'll go. Now, if Isaiah was more like us, we would have been like, send me, I'll go. 
And that's, and that's okay. S- send me, I'll go. If nobody else is going to do it, it's got to get done. And that's why we have so much in the, the, the Christian faith of so many people doing so many different things is because the job has to get done. People have to be ministered to. People have to be prayed for. Food has to go out. We have to do what Jesus said for us to do. And so when one, when one person won't pick up their side, the other person has to do two jobs. You guys ever, ever studied war, right? The, the Spartans in the movie 300 or the, the way the Romans fought when they would stand with their shields and this guy would cover from here over and, then, and that when one fell, they had to come together and cover the spot where he wasn't. That, that's why you and what God has called you to is so important to the people of God because you're supposed to be standing here in between me and the next person with your shield. I love when Nehemiah rebuilt the walls and he gave them a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other. Because they didn't have an army, but they didn't have walls. So he said, you know what? We'll build and fight. Sounds like my kind of job. <laughs> and I was asking Kirsten, um, um, because Kirsten is, in, is, is a doctor, and I don't know these types of things. So I asked Kirsten, I said, you know, this is going to sound dumb, but about how long is your arm? An arm, right? Because, you know, there's all that things. If you stretch it out this far, it's as tall as you are. But when I measure them, I, I don't know. And so I come to find, I think your arm is about two feet long. About two feet. Something, we're just going to go with two feet today. Some of you have longer arms than others. We're just going to say two feet. And there's a story in the Bible. I want to ask you a question. What if all the things that God has for you, the calling he's placed on your life, the breakthrough you're waiting for, the, 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 the healing you're waiting for, whatever it is, what if that's only two feet away? And the reason I ask that is because there's a story in here in Matthew chapter 5, I'm wrong, it's Luke chapter 6. In Luke chapter 6, it says that Jesus and the disciples, they're out doing ministry and they come across this guy who has a withered arm. And his arm's withered up. Now it doesn't say in the Bible that he was born that way, right? It just says that his hand is withered up and he has no use for it. Right? And it says that Jesus comes upon him and the Pharisees are arguing about whether you should heal on the Sabbath or not heal on the Sabbath. So Jesus is going to prove a point because in in Jewish culture they couldn't lay hands on each other on the Sabbath because they would be breaking the law because that would in turn be working. So Jesus says, look, I don't have to work to do what God's sent me here to do. I don't have to use my hands. So Jesus looks at this man And then the Bible in Luke says that he goes around and looks at each one of the Pharisees one by one. He looks at all of the doubters around this man, all the religious people around this man, all the legalistic people that are around this man, all the people that knew better around this man. And and the Bible says that Jesus looked at each one of them one by one 
And then he looks at this guy and he says, hey, stretch out your hand. Now let's just assume if this guy was born this way, this is something he has never done before. Or let's just assume that something happened to him traumatic and it's been a long time since he's done this thing that God's asking him to do. But Jesus didn't care about any of that. He said, hey, stretch out your arm. And the Bible says the guy stretched out his arm and immediately he was whole and healed. Two feet. Jesus asked that man to move two feet. Because Jesus will never ask you to do something that he doesn't have grace for you to be able to do it. Sometimes we just have, you notice what that man never did? The Bible never records the excuses that that man gave to Jesus. I was born this way. You don't know what happened to me in, in, in my sickness, my problem. You don't know how long I've been carrying this. It's going to take more than just one prayer. Who do you think you are to tell me that? Because see, Jesus does not care. He never let people's circumstances dictate what he would or would not do. Your circumstances will never affect what Jesus is willing to do for you. The place you're at right now will not affect Jesus' love for you. Jesus' healing power for you. Jesus' power to free you is not based on your circumstances. All we're required to do is when he says to stretch out our hands, is to stretch out our hands. If he asks us to hit our knees, hit your knees. If he tells you to jump around, jump around. If he tells you to throw your hands up in praise, throw your hands up in praise. If he tells you to stand up and pray in front of everybody, what if your blessing is just two feet away? Or like Bishop says, what if it's just eight inches away? It is eight inches, right? Yeah, eight inches. What if it's just eight inches away? What if it's something that we need to remove that God's telling us to remove? In Joshua chapter 5, the people of Israel have wandered through the desert now, right? They've paid their price for their unfaithfulness. And that, that generation that was unfaithful has passed away. But guess what? There's a new generation that hadn't been circumcised yet. And, you know, because God is such a good God, he told Joshua, he said, hey, go down to Tractor Supply and get one of those Gerbers that are so sharp, if you look at it just right, it'll cut you. And if you can't find a Gerber, just get the Ozark Trail one from Walmart. It's just as good. Or he told him, he said, go down there and get some of those surgical scissors, a scalpel that's just so sharp, if you just touch it, it'll fall right off. No. He told Joshua, he said, hey, go make yourself a flint knife. You want to talk about iron sharpening iron? If you've never made a flint knife, 
You got quiet like I was going to teach you. I ain't never done it. But I looked it up. They used to take these pieces of flint and you, you break it and mold it and just keep hitting it until you get a sharp edge. It's a rock that they break a bunch of times until they've got a sharp enough edge. A sharp enough edge. If you went into surgery and right before you went under anesthesia, the doctor said, oh, that scalpel's sharp enough. You don't clean a deer or a fish with a knife that's just sharp enough. And he told Joshua, go get a flint knife and take care of this. Can you imagine what those men thought? But you know what they had to determine? How serious they were with being in covenant with God. If you really want to cross this river here, you're going to have to go through the flint knife. If you really want to reach the promised land, you're going to have to lose some stuff. And that's hard for us, right? Now, what I am about to say, am I in no way saying that God is okaying you to go get a divorce? Everybody understand what I'm saying? But there may be some people in your life that you need to leave right there beside the flint knife. There may be some jobs or some acquaintances or some places we go. There may be some cell phones and some Wi-Fi and some computers that need to be left by the flint knife. If we're going to be the people of God that God has called us to be and reach this place that we keep dreaming about and hearing about and praying about and remembering the good old days of the prophecies, do you know sometimes the reason why we're not walking in milk and honey is because we're carrying the stuff the flint knife was supposed to cut off? And here's the other thing. Wait a minute. I want you... Y'all get ready to stand and shout at this one too. And we have to be okay. Wait. And we have to be okay with the people that God has called to hold the flint knife. I thought about that this morning. You know, we always hear, always, and I am not discrediting it or putting it down for anybody that's been hurt at church. This is not what I'm saying. But how many times do we always hear everybody likes to get down and talk about how much the church has hurt them? Watch this. Did you know that Chick-fil-A employs rude people? But if you've been to the Chick-fil-A and Troyer Enterprise, they're full. We'll go get a chicken sandwich knowing. I hope that girl's not working there, but even if she is, that eight count mini sure is glorious. <laughs> Let me tell you what, I, I love steak. And I don't care what the waiter's day is like. Just bring me the one I want. Be Look here, there's a restaurant at the beach at Pier Park where people pay to go and have people be rude to them. But at church... We don't deal with human beings at church. We overlook the rudeness at Chick-fil-A because we really love the chicken sandwich. And we'll overlook the rudeness at Longhorn because that's a darn good steak. 
We'll overlook a terrible coach in Little League because our kids have to play. So why don't we apply the same principle in here? Because look, I love myself, but I'm a human being too. Just because God called me to be a minister, I'm working on it. But I still have bad days. God still, there's still things in my life that I have to leave by the flint rock. But because we come in here and people aren't perfect to us all the time, we treat Chick-fil-A better than we do the church. Because if, and I know this because if it wasn't Sunday, guess where half of y'all would be today? Oh, Chicky Filet. Well, it's a Christian-owned company, so we can overlook it. This is a Christian-owned place here. Anyway. Jesus said, Jesus said this. So it brings to light when Jesus makes mention of, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 29, if your eye, but he didn't stop there. He said, even your good eye. Even your hand, your right hand, even if you're right-handed, if that thing causes you to stumble, what does he say for you to do? Take that flint rock. Take that flint rock and gouge it out. Now, please don't show up here Wednesday. And have us go stretch your hand out and there's enough. That's not what I'm, it's not what, don't come in here and everybody's going to know, well, it was his left eye, that was his good one, causing him to stumble. This, this, look, when Jesus came and died, everything went from being about what's on the outside to what's on the inside. This is talking about things that are hurting you spiritually, in your heart, as a man thinketh in his That's why we don't worry about, it's here, it's, it's here, it's circumcising this muscle of meat, right? Because you can change your mind anytime you want to. I did this morning twice. I put on a pair of pants. My shoes was having a party. Didn't, didn't invite the end of my pants. So I had to change my mind, change my clothes, right? But my heart takes a little longer to change. Sometimes it takes a cut here and a cut here and a cut here. And, and then watch this. What if it grows back? Keep your flint knife sharp. How do we do that? Iron sharpens iron. At least God gave us an upgrade in the new covenant. We get iron this time. Aren't we lucky he didn't say a flint sharpens flint. But that's why that's important for us to be with each other. But he says, look, if you've got something in your life that's causing you to stumble... Get rid of it. But Pastor Hunter, what if they, it doesn't matter. You have to make a determination. What's more important? What that person thinks or what God's called you to? And I want to finish with this one because this is very important. And the Lord gave me this yesterday or, or, or showed me this as we were praying yesterday. 
We've talked about circumcision. We've talked about doing the things that God has called us to do. And there's a verse in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 25. And I want you guys to, to, to hear me now, okay? Jeremiah chapter 29, I mean chapter 9, verse 25 says this. A time is coming. A time is coming. And we fully believe that we are in this time. A time is coming, says the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised in the body and not in spirit. That's why Paul, that's why they argued so much in the New Testament about circumcision, because they were still making it about what you had to do. Jesus come and hung on the cross and circumcised our spirits. Made us right with God. We, we don't, no longer does it have to do with what we're doing. And he said, look, you can be circumcised. You can do all the pretty things. You can wear the pretty clothes. You can wear suits and ties and fancy shirt, shoes, fancy shirts. You can drive nice things. You can act any way you want to act. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're circumcised in your body. What matters is, are you circumcised in the Spirit? Are we made clean with the Spirit? Because I can go home and take a really hot shower with really good soap and get really clean. But if I'm doing something in here that I know is not right, it doesn't matter how good I brush my teeth or how good I scrub in the shower, right? It's kind of like this. If you've ever done outside work and you get dirt under your fingernails or around your fingers and you can get your whole body clean and smell really good and look down and go, it's kind of embarrassing. But no matter how clean I got, it's like, well, I'm still dirty. That's sort of what it's like being circumcised in the body and not in the spirit. Now I did all I could, but they're still, it's still not, not, not working. And I don't want to be in that group that when this time comes and I'm punished because I got all the outside stuff good, right? I've got my yard mowed and my bushes trimmed and my crepe myrtle looks great, but the inside of my house is filthy. It's trashed in there. We can have a yard party, but don't come inside. And God's called us to, to, to do great things. And if we take that flint rock and we do the thing that God's asked us to do, and when he comes calling and we say, here I am, send me, I'll do it, I'll go, I'll do it. And then do whatever it is that God said to do. Stretch your hand out, what, whatever it is. And we can see the things that God has for us. Because a lot of us want God to be real with us. But are we, are we willing to be real with God? Right? We keep the most from the person that knows the most or we think we're doing it 
right? Jonah got on a boat and tried to sail away from God. And God created the ocean he was sailing away on. I, I, I want God to be real with me, but I want to be real with him. Right? Amen? I'm going to have two questions this morning. If you guys will uh, close your eyes and bow your heads. Because this right here, out of everything we've done today, this right here is the most important part of our service. And the Bible says in Romans that if you would believe in your heart and confess in your mouth that salvation will come to you. That's all. That's it. If you believe and confess, the Bible says you'll be saved. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so my first question to you today, this morning, is this. If you would say, Pastor, I, I, I heard the things that you said. I've, I, I've sat through service this morning. I've experienced it all. And I've never had a relationship with Jesus. And I want to make sure before I leave here this morning that I get that taken care of. If that's you, if you'll just raise your hand. Um, we're going to pray, and I just want to know who it is that I'm praying for, that we're praying for this morning. Awesome, awesome. And then my second question is this. If you would say, hey, um, um, I, I, I have a relationship with Jesus. Somehow, someway, through, through whatever it is, I've walked away, I've slipped away, and, and I want to come back to Jesus. I want to make sure that my life is on track. If that's you, if you'll raise your hand again, I just want to pray. It's not an embarrassing thing. I'm not going to call you down and make it awesome. I see you guys' hands. That's awesome. 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 All right, if everybody will stand up for me, we're going to pray. And it's not important that you guys hear the words that I'm saying. What's important is that you hear yourself pray it. And know that you're not talking to me. You're not talking to the person around you. You're talking to God, the one who sent Jesus to die for us. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, here I am. I'm asking you to forgive me of the things that I've done. Make me right with you. Lord, I believe that Jesus is your son, that he came, he died, and he rose again for me. Lord, I thank you that today I am a new creation and that you have a glorious future for me. I love you. In your name I pray. Amen. I did want to say this before before we before I, I turn it back over to our hosts. We have this thing here at, at, at church, what Bishop was talking about. We just come out of 21 days of prayer. But he said it best. Just because we've gone through 21 days does not mean that prayer stops. And we have prayer request cards. They're going to be out in the foyer on the information desk. If you need prayer and you feel alone, please let us know what it is that you're praying for so that our prayer team here at the church can be one of the two or three that stand with you. Amen? Also, we have this. It's a little blue card. And what it is, it has 10 slots on the back of it. 
And what we're asking you to do is take one of these blue cards and write 10 people on the back of it that you know that need Jesus. And then on the blue side, there's scriptures for prayer. And what we're asking you to do is take this card and carry it with you. And whenever you have a moment or the Spirit leads you, whatever it is, to take this card out and pray for the people that you put on the back of here. And then these 10 people, those are the ones that God's asking you, who's going to go? Send me, I'll go. Is that cool? Everybody cool with that? All right, awesome. Thank you, guys.